Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pistolka. With me today, I'm actually nervous today because I have someone here who is a consummate professional, someone I highly respect. Today, we're talking with Mr. Biz, also known as Kent Went or Ken Wentworth. Thanks for being here today, man. Yeah, absolutely, Damon. I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm I'm honored to be back on the show. I know it's been, gosh, it's been a, probably a couple of years. I think I was on before. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. It was early on, and we were talking. And I was like, man, this guy's cool. And then we then we did a little work back when Clubhouse was going. Yeah, and that was a that was a lot of fun. And and now you, we're going to talk a little bit about. The new book you just just came out with earlier there, Don't Fake the Funk, some of the other stuff you're doing. I mean, <clears throat> let's just talk. Let's just jump right in. Let's start with your background because you've been on radio. You've been uh, with Mr. Biz, with uh, Mr. Biz Radio for six years, man. What? I mean, it's six years. Does it seem like it's been that long for you? It honestly doesn't. Um, it's, it's funny. It's been, uh, it seems like, you know, a year, two years, something like that. It doesn't seem like it's been six years. And I, it just hit me that it had been that long recently when I had a guest on the show and, um, we got done with the show and my producer, you know, was on as well. And the person was ranting and raving about how great it was and the experience and everything. And my producer said, well, you think we know what the hell we're doing. It's been six years now. And I was like, six, oh, it has been six years. <laughs> I know. I know. It's something. It's something. But let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about your background, uh, Ken, because you have a pretty unique background and, and, you know, you're helping people as a fractional COO, coach, leadership, different things like that. And, you know, because not many people doing what you're doing have six world records. So. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about your background and kind of how you got into what you're doing today. And then, then we're going to talk a little bit about your world records and how that ties into some other things. Yeah. So I, I worked in the corporate world. I worked at JP Morgan um, for 20, I think 22 years. I think I was there. Um, got up to the top 3% in the company, uh, was in the process of being promoted to the top 1%. I'd always wanted to do my own thing. Um, and it just, it kind of hit me and it was really ironic when I'm going to, you know, get this great promotion and whatever. And, um, I remember having a conversation with my wife, I was in New York, uh, I got to the airport and I said, yeah, you know, I'm going to get promoted, you know, top 1%, blah, blah, blah. And she said, oh my gosh, your hard work. It's great. You know, whatever. And I said, and uh, I'm going to leave. <laughs> and she go, and there's a pause and she goes, Oh, your plane's taken off. You, you gotta, you gotta go. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna resign. And there's a long pause. And she said, did you get to the airport early? Have you been drinking? <laughs> That's awesome. And I said, no. And I, ex I explained it to her once I got home 
And then next time I was back in New York is when I uh, told my boss I was going to resign. And I said, you know, I could kind of see the writing on the wall, especially at that level. You know, I'm based in Columbus, Ohio, and, and JP Morgan has 20,000 employees here. But at that level, there's maybe 15 positions in Columbus. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are IT based, not in my wheelhouse. And I knew that they were going to put a lot of pressure on me to relocate to either New York City or London. And we've got kids and I really didn't want to go through all that. And when I, I explained that to my to my boss and he said, yeah, you're I mean, you're right. The expectation would be probably within three or so years that you'll you'll need to re relocate to continue mm -hmm. progressing your career, et cetera. And so he said, if that's if that's a deal breaker for you, then you're probably making the right decision. He goes, so so what are you going to do next? I mean, where are you going to go? And I'm like, I, I have no idea. He's like, wait a minute. What? You have no idea. I go, I, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do something. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And he's like, what? Are you kidding me? Um, and I just kind of figured it out along the way, you know, um, connected with a mentor who helped me help guide me. I didn't even know that, you know, what a fractional CFO was. I'd never even mm -hmm. heard of it because I've been in the corporate world all, forever. And, uh, once he explained it to me, I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds pretty cool. And uh, I got my first client and was off and running. And I, I gotta tell you, Damon, I am so blessed. Like I, I absolutely love what I do. It's not work. Um, yeah. I enjoy Someone just asked me the other day, and I actually felt embarrassed afterwards. They're like, "What? What's what's your favorite hobby?" And I go, "Uh, I mean, I guess probably a lot of people call it work. Like, I, like, but it's not. Yeah. But it's my job is like a what I get to do for a living is almost like a, a fun hobby for me because I enjoy it so yeah. much. And of course, there's some aspects of it that are pain in my neck, but I figured yeah. out that quickly too. I screen clients. I only work with people I want to work with. Uh, that I gel with, that I sync with and all that. And then the crap that I don't like to do, I delegate it, mm -hmm. you know, and get that stuff off my plate. And uh, so I don't have to worry about that. So I just, like I said, I'm so blessed to be able to do what I do. And I just absolutely freaking love it. Yeah. Well, and you, you'd say a couple of things there. I think that, you know, your clients, my clients, business owners and, and practitioners in general really need to understand if you don't love it to the point that, it's almost like a hobby to you. You might want to try to find something else to do or go work for somebody because it's just going to take that kind of passion to do what you need to do to really get to the level you want to get to. And, and the second thing you said is if you don't like it, but it's necessary, delegate it, get somebody else to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I know even this, I remember talking about this in some of our clubhouse rooms way back mm -hmm. is, you know, people would ask, and people ask me all the time, what should, what, how would I use a VA? Like if I get a VA or I have an actual admin assistant, you know, how, what do I do? And, I, and literally the simple practical thing I tell people is for one week, be very conscious. Anything yep. that you, any task you have to do that makes you roll your eyes or sigh, write it down and delegate it. Because those are things you don't like to do. And you mm -hmm. know what? I, I think I'm like most people, Damon, the things I don't like to do, I will procrastinate the crap out of them. And when I do them, I'm probably not going to do a great job because I just want to get it done. I hate it. I don't want to do it. And so, you know, get, delegating it to someone who enjoys that, whatever it is, and they're going to kick butt at it. They're going to do it much more efficiently. I mean, it just just makes too much sense not to do that. Well, yeah. And the other thing is, too, and this is a phrase that you do when that you use and I've I've used it. I've stole it and not used it a lot is you talk about revenue producing activities. Right. And if I'm whatever it is, filling out paperwork, writing up a report, doing some Excel spreadsheet work. That's not a revenue producing activity. If I'm the one that's got to produce the revenue, 
you need to be hitting your RPAs hard every every day uh, to to meet the goals that you want to meet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I man, I preach about RPAs. Um, you know, it's it's especially you know if you're a solopreneur or even just have a couple employees, and you're and you're trying to DIY, you're bootstrapping, and you're trying to do all this stuff yourself. And even some people that are seasoned, you know, have larger yeah. businesses get caught up mm -hmm. in that stuff too. Is like, man, you really have to focus on the RPAs, the things that really move the needle for your business that you can drive the most effective yeah. and, and get rid of the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So now when it comes to the world of fractional CFOs, mm -hmm. I've got to ask, how many other fractional CFOs do you know that have any world records? Uh, I, I don't know of any, uh, uh I'm, sure, I'm sure, I'm sure there are some out there, but, uh, I don't know. I haven't met them yet. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah. yeah. So when, when, when we think of fractional CFOs, we don't think of, of people with world records and weightlifting. So let's talk a little bit about that because that's, that a is little bit outside the world of being a fractional CFO, but B is something that takes a lot of hard work and dedication. And I want to talk about that and how that kind of helped you throughout your career. Yeah, I just got into, um, I, you know, I, I really enjoy weight training and everything. And I got into it and I was the gym rat. I was always in the gym and the gym I was at, you know, had is a very competitive gym, uh, a lot of, you know, bodybuilders and all stuff. And, and there was a group of powerlifters and, um, one of them was really successful and he invited me to train with the group. And I remember when he first invited me, I said, honestly, I am not strong enough to be, I don't even want to waste your time. Like I'm not going to yeah. come in and be, be the wimpy, you know, wimpy guy. And I set a goal for myself to get to before I would join that group. And I hit that goal and then I joined the group and it just kind of took off from there. And he and I became really good friends. He, he at the time was a world champion. Um, so it, it's the same thing. It's the whole Jim Ron, the five people you're around. Mm -hmm. If I would have been in any other gym, Damon, and it would have been just a regular gym and I would have never met that guy, I probably would have never pursued it because I wouldn't even think it was possible. Yeah. But being around someone like him who was super accomplished in the sport and had been there, done that, it, it, it showed me the possibilities. And, and, and you know, you, you start to think, well, you know, if he can do it, why can't I do it? And as I got mm -hmm. stronger and stronger and I started to compete at the national level, and then I, I won the nationals and I was at world championships and I won those. And then it's like, well, what do you, what's after that? You know, I won a handful of world championships and it's like, well, I want to keep going. How, how do I keep progressing? Well, the next thing is let's, let's, what's the world record? Well, let's, let's look at it and see what it can be and, you know, find out what the world record is, reverse engineer the process and, um, and work like heck to get there. And, you know, so much of what's come from that has helped me in my personal life and my career. You know, as you mentioned, the dedication, the, the, the diligence, the resiliency that's required, all of those things are transferable to all other parts of your, 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 uh, you, you know, your life, your life as an entrepreneur, as a, as a, as a husband, as a father, all those things. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So from the time you started lifting, how long was it before you set a world record? Oh man. I mean, I guess really I did, I did some weightlifting in high school. Um, just kind of dabbled in it. But when I, yeah. from when I got serious, so I'll tell you this much from the first time I bench pressed 275 pounds that yeah. day, I said, I, I was in that group and I I told those guys, I'm going to bench press 500 pounds. 
Yeah. And even in that group of guys that are, you know, we're, they're like, uh, <laughs> hey, you might want to pump the brakes on that. You, you got a little euphoria going through you because you're happy yeah. about this, you know, 275. But 500, that's a whole other thing. And I said, I'll figure it out. So from 275 to 500, it took me seven years. Yeah. Yep. Because it's not, I mean, that that is a feat. That is a feat. Where you were at 275 is where I went out. <laughs> that's right. That's where I went out. And you know, but seven years of training, it's and and when you were doing that, I have to imagine there's some weeks where you make zero progress, some months where you make what seems like zero progress, but it's about the process, it's about continuing the work, and then you see gains. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I figured out really quickly, Damon, that especially in the spot, uh, sport of power thing, the guys who were successful and had any longevity in their career, the absolute 1000% reason why is avoiding injuries. Now, okay. you also have to push yourself. So yes. it's that fine line between really driving yourself hard, but not too hard to where you're, you're you know, you're getting an injury. You know, I, I was fortunate. I really only had one uh, major injury. I tore my pec. Um, which obviously for, for power thing was terrible, but yeah, you know, that whole process, I mean, think about, you're talking about, you know, the progress and slow progress and sometimes not making it when you're injured and you can't train at all, you're not, only not making progress. You're going down. Your strength is mm -hmm. plummeting like crazy. And then it takes you how long just to get back to where you were. So mm -hmm. I figured that out really quickly, like balancing that. And again, it, it's a, applicable to life in your career, like that balance of, of driving hard but also knowing when to pull back the reins a little bit and, and having that discipline to do that. Um, you know, it's just knowing when to push, when not to push, uh, knowing your body well, things like that. Um, that, but that was the big reason. I mean, uh, you, you see a lot of guys in powerlifting that sort of come out of nowhere, out of, like a meteor and they do really well. And then all of a sudden you're like, where, what happened to that guy? Like, well, he, he, he blew out his back and he's, he's done. Like, yeah. and now, now the guy's barely can walk and he's, you know, 35 years old or something. It's like, holy crap, yeah. you know, I didn't want to be that person. So, mm -hmm. but again, it was being around those people, you know, um, I, I, at one point I talk about it in the book, even I, I, I found a guy that was a, a world champion that was in Iowa. And like I said, I'm based in, in Columbus. I reached out to the guy. I didn't know him from Adam. And yeah. I said, Hey, I want to basically, I want to live in Iowa and follow you around for a week. And he was like, uh, stalker, what, hello, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I want to learn from you. I want to see everything you do. I want to, I want to follow you around and just take notes like a little nerd all day uh, because I wanted to be around people that were that successful and see how they operate and see their mentality and things like that. Um, super, super important. And it helped me tremendously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is a great point because you've done a very good job of this over your career. I mean, you put yourself in the in the presence of of high achievers. There's no doubt about it. I mean, explain what that's really meant to you in business, because I think you've done some of the same things in business, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it's I think it really goes back to Damon is when you're around people like that and it, it shows you the possibilities, right? If you have any self-limiting beliefs in your head, but you're around someone and you, you, you around these super successful people and you go in the back of your mind, no disrespect to those people, but you go, you know what, if this person could do it, I can do it too. You know, yeah. like, I can apply myself just like this person has. And that's the biggest thing I think that people overall 
and I do it sometimes myself too, is we limit ourselves because we don't, we don't really think that we can do it. We, we have imposter syndrome, like, oh my gosh, I could never do that or whatever. That's crap. I mean, and you get around people like that. And I, I try to do it in everything. I did it when I started the radio show. You know, mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I, that's one of the things I talk about in the book is modeling expert behavior is getting around people that have been there, done that, are successful in whatever you're trying to accomplish and just immerse yourself. Read all their books, follow them on social media, watch their YouTube videos. If you can, meet them in person. Um, you know, maybe not be a stalker and, you know, move to Iowa for a week and follow a guy around like I did, but like that, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, I did it when I was learning, as I was competing in powerlifting, how to cut weight. I, I bought four books on cutting weight. One of them really resonated with me. And I just reached out to the author. Didn't know the guy from Adam, reached out to him and said, loved your book. I'd love to pick your brain. I got on the phone with the guy. I'm, I was, I don't know, 20 years ago. That guy's one of my top 10 friends still to this day. Oh man. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, you're very, you make a good point too, because in a lot of cases, these people that are very successful, if you're sincere, they like to help people. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that people fear like, oh, well, so-and-so they would never, you know, re re uh, connect with me or they would never re respond to me or whatever. And that's, you know, one of my favorite quotes of all time, Steve Jobs. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. Mm -hmm. I reached out to that author. The worst thing that happens is he says no or he just doesn't respond. Right. When I reached out to the guy in Iowa, he could have said, you're crazy. Leave me alone. Right. But if I didn't ask, yeah. the answer will always be no. And yeah. so I think that's another thing, too, is don't be afraid to, to, to reach out to those things. When I when I started the radio show and I reached out to four, because I'm like, the first show I did was so bad, unbelievably awful. And I told my wife, I said, I have to figure this out because I don't want to torture someone who would happen upon the show and listen to it because it would be like nails on a chalkboard. It was so bad. I said, I got to get better at this. Well, who's really good at this? I found four nationally syndicated talk show hosts. Been there, done that. Obviously successful. And I just reached out to all four of them. I didn't know any of them. Mm -hmm. And I connected with three of them, ended up on the phone with two of them. Uh, and, and same thing. They helped me. They were willing. And these are names you would all know. They helped me. They, they were willing to help me. I was very respectful of their time. Yes. But they, they could hear the sincerity. And I really wanted to get better at this. And yeah. they were willing to help, you know, like you said. Yeah. So, man, it's just yeah. to me, doing those types of things just accelerates your path to success. Yes. You're going to learn from those people that are really successful. They're going to steer you around some of the obstacles you likely, likely would have hit on your own. Uh, and it just accelerates your path to success. Not only that they help you and give you tips and everything, but again, it's aspirational for you, for me to be around people like that and say, this guy is like a regular old guy. If he can be a good radio show host, why can't I be? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great, great point. So as you, as you got started down the road, what really got the idea in your head to become an author? I mean, Com completely accidental. Yeah. It's hilarious. So uh, anyone who knows me, has known me for any, I, I cannot stand writing. I hate writing stuff. I absolutely hate it. And it was completely accidental, the first book. <clears throat> I had been compiling um, tips on, on cash flow, on, on being yeah. able to improve cash flow. I'm coming up with these things and I'm kind of writing down and I'm compiling them into a document. And my brother's like, I mean, it's, it's basically a book. 
I'm like, nah, it's, it's not really a book, you know? And he's like, no, you should publish it as a book. He's like, put it out there. You can be a published author. You know, if no one ever buys it, who cares? You at least, you know, you, I was like, ah, okay, whatever. So I did. And the book just, um, it was slow at first. And then uh, an, uh, a company uh, in the UK was doing a book, uh, I'm sorry, an article on top cash flow books. And they, I guess they, the guy told me later that he bought a bunch of cash flow books and he liked mine. So he had, I forget how many books in the article, and he had mine as the number one cash flow book. Oh, wow. And this guy wrote this article. I don't know the guy. I didn't even know he wrote the article. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I get this email. And again, I the book is out on Amazon and, you know, I don't probably sold 10 copies or something yeah, yeah. for a couple months. And then all of a sudden I get this, this email from Amazon saying, congratulations, your book has now sold, you know, whatever, 2,000 copies in the last, you know, whatever. And I was like, I emailed him back. I'm like, you got the wrong guy. Like, I don't, you know. <laughs> and uh, and then they're like, no, you, literally log into your account. You can see the sales. And so I'm trying to figure out what did I do? What did I do to cause this? You know, I wasn't promoting the book. I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. And when I went out and looked at the sales, I saw that like 90% of those sales came from the UK, which was even more puzzling to me. Like, mm -hmm. what did I do in the UK? Who's promoting me in the UK? And a guy, one of my buddies, I was telling him the story. Well, duh, he went out and Googled and he's found the article. Okay. Um, and so then I reached out to the article, the author of the article. I was like, geez, you know, thanks so much. And he's like, oh man, I loved your book, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so then that kind of inspired me. I'm like, well, shoot, I got other things I want to share. And so mm -hmm. I created the second book and then, you know, this, this most recent third one as well. But, but no, my, my, my little hack, my writing hack, Damon, cause as I said, I hate to write is I will, I do audio and I record myself on audio. I send it to an AI transcription service. I have them transcribe it, send it back to me. And then I edit that Yeah, to be, uh, because I, for me to sit down and just start typing, oh yeah, it would never freaking happen. Absolutely never happen. I mean, it's it's still tedious to do the editing piece, but the uh, kind of the funny part about that is, you know, when I'm I'm going to cover a, to a topic or whatever a chapter, I will literally just have a sheet of paper with the chapter title, and I'll have like five bullet points, and I just start talking. Yeah, and, and um, to get you know to get the creative juices flowing or whatever, and I make it like I'm talking to someone. And it's funny, the second book, which is, a you know, another business book, mm -hmm. um, a professional editor, I'm sorry, a reviewer came through and, you know, gave it a really good review and everything. And she said, one of the things I liked most about the book was I felt like Ken was talking to me. It wasn't like wow. I was being lectured to. And a lot of business books are like, sound like a lecture, right? And she said, and I'm thinking, well, I was, you know, <laughs> I was talking to you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and I know we had talked about that before. You said uh, a while back uh, did, that you use the audio method to do it. And I think it's I think it's a great way for people to get content on you know typed out, at least in a rough draft format. I mean, we yeah. we use AI transcription on so many things now. Even if you're doing it with a with a meeting, it's very very valuable because you can get to certain points in the meeting, remember what people said or or even uh, something like that. But I, I a couple other friends of mine I know use it to write blog articles and, and work on their books as well. And it, um, but yeah. the talking to you, the talking to you thing, uh, I think is much easier for someone to convey if you're actually using audio to go to text. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I've gotten that comment from people, like tons of people have said, 
like literally as I'm reading your book, I feel like you're talking to me. I'm like, I kind of sort of was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you've just finished, not just finished, but it was like February this year. If you don't, don't fake the funk. Don't yeah, fake the yeah. funk. And uh, so you came out with another one. Tell us, tell us why you came out with this one. I think I, I've got a good idea of it. Yeah. So this one, uh, the first two books are both uh, business books, as I mentioned. Uh, first one's about cash flow. Second one's called Pathway to Profits. It's about yeah. uh, several different aspects of business and how to you know, optimize those parts of your business. And I was going to come out with the second sort of volume of Pathway to Profits, uh, additional topics. Uh, but this thing, this don't fake the funk thing, it just sort of happened is I was, you know, been mentoring folks and was, I had two guys I was mentoring that, um, had been struggling, trying to achieve goals, mm -hmm. been stagnated, just not making progress. And so this is both within two or three weeks of each other. And, uh, I said, well, here's the kind of process I take. And I never formalized this process or anything. It's just in my head, you know, how I approach yeah. things. And so the guy's taking notes and he was like, man, this is like, like a pretty practical, simple four steps. It's really four steps. I was like, I've done a lot of talking. It seems like a lot more than four steps. And he's like, no. And we kind of walked through it. I'm like, yeah, a couple of weeks later, same scenario plays out with someone different. And he mentions the same thing. And I'm like, man, maybe I'm kind of onto something here. And so I'm like, uh, they both said, you, you got to write a book about this. You got to put this in a book or whatever. And um, I'm like, ah, so again, just happenstance, a couple of weeks later, a guy reaches out to me, wanted me to come speak to his group um, uh, for their end of the year party. And I said, well, he goes, what, you know, I said, what do you want me to talk about? He goes, well, let's talk about cash flow. And I'm like, people are coming to this. It's kind of like a celebration. Yeah. They don't want to hear me talk about business crap. Like I said, how about, let me, let me talk about this new thing that I'm kind of kicking around and developing and it's how to achieve like goals that you never even thought you were capable of doing. And he was like, oh, man, I'd be perfect. It's the end of the year. It'll give people, a, you know, a jump shot into the next year and as they're setting goals for the following year. And so I I got up and spoke about that. And literally afterwards, people come up to me and they're like, where, where's, where's the book about this? Do you, you know, you got to have a book. I'm like, no, nah, no, they're like, you got to write a book. And so I kind of expedited this book in front of the other, the next business book. And, um, you know, the response from it has been just absolutely crazy like people really it is resonating with a lot of people um and it's applicable to everything so it's it yeah. appeals to a much wider audience you can apply it to any goals you have it could be a weight loss goal it could be a relationship goal it could be a business goal sports goal whatever you can apply this you know this smack the smac is the, are the four letters of it and and achieve like just crazy stuff and i give plenty of examples in the book of you know, look at me, I'm just a regular guy. And, and, you know, some of the things that I've been fortunate enough to be able to accomplish, it's, you know, mm -hmm. you, you look back on it, you're like, holy crap, how did I do that? You know? Yeah. 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 That's cool. So what are, what is the one or two main things you learned as writing the book? Cause you go, wow, I didn't realize that, but it's pretty cool. You know, honestly, especially with this book, um, it really, as I was writing it and putting examples of things in, I had never, you know, rarely do you ever sit back and smell the roses, right? We're, I think mm -hmm. we're all guilty of not doing that enough, right? But as I'm writing these things and giving examples, first of all, some of the stories in, in there were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I freaking did that. Um, you know, extreme things of uh, that I did in order to, to accomplish goals or whatever. Um, but so it was kind of funny. But some of the other things was it really created this sort of in my head of like, holy crap, you know, 
I've been pretty fortunate to be able to do some pretty cool stuff um, and just never really kind of realized, you know, the magnitude or the volume of all these, all these different things that I've applied this to and been able to, you know, to, to do all these cool things. So um, I think that was a big thing for me. And it gave me, a, you know, kind of a sense of pride of, like, gosh, I never really, you know, again, took a step back and realized some of these things that I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to experience. That's cool. That's cool. Because I, I tell you, that is one thing. If you've worked more than a few years in a career or at something, you've forgotten a lot about what the, the accomplishments you've really made because you're so stuck in this, the recent past and today that uh, that occupies your mind. And when you go, like you said, when you go back and look at it, you go, oh, my goodness. It, you know, it, A, it brings up the crazy, the crazy junk you did to get there. <laughs> and B, you, you look at the magnitude of what you've done. And uh, and it doesn't really doesn't matter what you do. I think everybody can do that. Oh, um, absolutely. And that's that's cool. So as you're as you're going going forward now, now we're looking forward. You've been you've been adding, man, you're Mr. Biz Radio. How how you it's it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. So you've got how many shows you still do two shows a week? And and yeah, so I a do a lot so of we, different places. Yeah, so we we release one show a week. Um, okay. But we do the audio. We started doing the audio with the video. Um, we'd only done a couple of videos before. Uh, I think we started doing that actually well, when we built the studio. We built the studio last December, I guess. And the same. The reason we built the studio was we started a streaming channel, yeah. uh, the Mister Biz Network. And so it's like, well, I need content for that. So I might as well start, you know, double dipping with the radio show and having the video as well as the audio. And um, but yeah, and then, you know, the whole aspect of it on all these different internet radio stations um, and then on all these, you know, all these different podcast platforms and radio platforms it's on. And now it's on the, the streaming channel as well. Yeah, uh, it, it's just been it's been crazy. Like I said, I've been uh, very blessed that it's been you know picked up by so many different places and, and all that kind of stuff. And the feedback we get from it and the reach we get from it is uh, is pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So as you look forward, man, you, you've, you've done a lot. What, what are some things that you go, man, I really want to do this? Yeah, one of my big goals uh, now that I'm moving towards is uh, my wife and I, we want to start a foundation. So yeah. um, and, and use that foundation, you know, have basically a, a portion of all the profits from all the different revenue streams I have go directly into the foundation uh, to, to, uh, to fund it. Um, so that's that's the next big thing when we're still probably a couple years at least away from that. But um, that's the next kind of really big thing that I'm kind of focused on. And it's got me driving some of these revenue streams to build mm -hmm. them to where they can be able to, you know, uh, fund that, that foundation. So uh, that's an, that's the next big thing I want to I really want to push towards. Yeah. Yeah. So anything in particular that you want to support with the foundation? You know, we've kicked around a couple of different ideas. Um and we haven't really started on anything specific yet, but, you know, we're big animal lovers. Um, so we talked about an animal aspect to it. Um, you know, I, I'm a huge uh, supporter of the military and veterans. Um, and so maybe, you know, something like that, obviously kids. Um, yeah. uh, so we, we haven't really settled on what we're going to do yet in particular, but, and we may, maybe, maybe we'll have different aspects of it and, and support a couple different things, but, yeah. um, um, 
it'll probably be one of those, you know, two or three things yeah. we'll, we'll focus on. Awesome. Awesome. So as you're out there helping people with their businesses, what are you, what are you hearing in the business community? What are the things that people are worrying about thinking about today? You know, the big R right. Recession. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just did, I did a, actually I did a show about this, like, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think it was probably been about three months ago. I think it was in June. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said back in June, you know, they hadn't officially said anything. I'm like, yeah. we're in a recession. So just, yeah. They haven't officially announced it yet. It's not going to officially <laughs> yeah. be announced until the second quarter's over. We're in a recession. We already had the you know one quarter of of, yep. of the negative number. We're so deep into the negative in this quarter. We're not going to d- jump out in the next two weeks before the end of the quarter. Um, however, what I feel like and what I did in this video and, and it actually took off. And I think because people, it was I, I think it was a little bit um, people either loved it or hated it. As I said, yeah. recession is not a, a recession is time of opportunity. Yeah, you got to stop looking at it in the other yep. way of, of crawling into a ball in a fetal Amen. position and saying, "Oh my gosh, I got to," you know. And if you if you are you know if your business is barely surviving, then yeah, you need to do some of that, of course. Yeah. But you know, I, I talk about all these businesses that were created during economic downturns or recessions in the past. It's not by accident, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I, I learned a lot of this too when I worked at J.P. Morgan. As we build a strong balance sheet at J.P. Morgan, and when the economic downturn, the recession, et cetera, hit in 2008, 2009, because we were fortified and prepared for that, it created a ton of opportunity for J.P. Morgan to be able to buy Washington Mutual, to be able to buy Bear Stearns at distressed prices. Um, It happened during COVID. Two of my clients, we were prepared. So it's funny. I look like Nostradamus, and it was actually it was semi-planned, but kind of dumb luck is I started preparing my clients in June of 2019. I said, there's an economic downturn coming. And I think the soonest it will begin is July of 2020. So I want to make sure we're prepared. So when that downturn happens, we are in a position to be able to be opportunistic. Well, then COVID hits in March. Things yeah. go in the crapper, right? And so my clients are like, oh my gosh, you!" I'm like, I didn't predict a pandemic. Okay. I was thinking yeah. of, you know, recession, et cetera. Um, but you know, during COVID two, uh, two of my clients, their competitors didn't make it through COVID. Yeah. And so they're going out of business. And so some people look at that and they say, well, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of shady. You're like taking advantage of the situation. It's like, no, no, no. Got, again, wrong mindset. If we didn't have the wherewithal to do that, those businesses would have gone under the impact on all the families, all those yep. people lose their jobs, all yep. the, the owner, the owner's family, all that stuff. We were able to come in, buy, take the owner out, right? Buy mm-hmm. him, get him out. He's cool. We need new resources now. We were able to pull those people in. They, they didn't lose their jobs, you know, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and grow our business. And then when we got out of the, you know, kind of got, came out of the pandemic, those two businesses like just rocket ship, you know, yep. hockey stick went up because, they had all this additional market share that they gained um, from that and, and be able to buy assets, you know, to, to both of them were service businesses. So they need trucks on the road. Well, yeah. these businesses are going out, they have trucks and literally the owners are like, look, just, just, I just went out of business, you know? Um, so I think going into a recession, having the right mindset that it's not time to, to crawl into a ball and, and, you know, batten down the hatches necessarily, mm-hmm. unless you're in a really bad financial situation, it's a time to to really look to double down because guess yeah. what? Some of your competitors won't. Some of your competitors, mm-hmm. 
make up the numbers, Damon. You, you say your competitors are spending 10 grand a month in marketing and they go, oh my gosh, recession. Uh, we're going to chop 80% off. We're going to spend 2000. Well, I want to take mine from 10 to 20. Yeah. Because when, when you see someone who's marketing and say it's a local business in your area or something, and you regularly hear radio ads or you see billboards or whatever form of advertising. And then all of a sudden during a recession, especially you don't hear from them anymore. You automatically think they must've gone out of business. Well, no, mm -hmm. they just, they just retreated. And yep. now that's an opportunity for you. If you're a competitor to seize that market share, like, look, fine, I'll double down. I got ads that are working. I, I'm advertising is working. Let's go. You want to, yeah. you want to, you know, you want to retreat. That's fine. I'm charging ahead and, um, you know, seizing market share as, as, as applicable in that situation. It's funny that you, you talk about that now in terms of recession, because we do, we do some of our work is growth by acquisition. Uh, you know, we've always for years done organic and, and growth by acquisition. We don't talk about it nearly enough, but that is our most popular thing we're doing with people right now is, is buying other companies and it, and it's, and it is a great way to, like you said, gain market share, gain employees, gain new capabilities, go a little more vertical in your industry. Yep. And, and like you said, the geography too, if you're, if you're geography constrained or you want just bigger market share in where you're at, it's, it definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it's, it's so much of, you know, we, you, we kind of get, I don't say programmed is too strong of a word, but you just get used to like, Oh, recession, it's time to like shrink. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, man, I want to, I want to, change people's thinking around that to say, no, it's time for expansion. Like there's opportunities out there to be able to expand and or create new businesses, right? You know, mm -hmm. again, there's so many different businesses that were started during a recession or, you know, yeah. some form of economic downturn that are, you know, global businesses now um, and huge businesses. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, think, think from an abundance perspective, not from a scarcity perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's just, that last statement is probably one of the most poignant of the last couple of minutes is because there is enough business out there for you. You just don't have enough people that know about you, what you do and, and trust you or know you well enough to do it. And uh, especially in today's economy where, where a lot of things are global or at least regional uh, that they can do this with. Yeah. You know, um, anyone who's familiar with Grant Cardone, one of his, you know, one of the big things he preaches about is the best known product beats the best product every time. And he said, you know, don't take that the wrong way. I don't mean that put out a crappy product. That's not the mm -hmm. point. But he said, if you have the best product in the whole world, but to your point, Damon, no one knows about it. They're never going to, you can't help them. If I yeah. can help business owners and they don't know about me, and this, this hit me during COVID. When I see all these businesses failing and I'm thinking, you know what, this is, some of those are my fault. Now, that may sound silly to some people, but I look at it. Look, if those people knew me and said, hey, Ken, can you please help me? I'm, I'm going to go under. I could have maybe helped them survive, right? But they didn't mm -hmm. know me. So yeah. they didn't know about me, so I couldn't help them. And so, you know, thinking about it from that perspective, you know, a silly example of that, that I always use, I like to use, is McDonald's, right? McDonald's is known globally. Is it because yeah. they have the best food? Absolutely <laughs> not, Right. They don't have the best, best product, right? <laughs> yeah. But they're yeah. the best known and well so known, super, you know, popular and super, uh, do well and, and all that stuff. Um, because they're the best known. How much does, I mean, I have no idea what the answer is, but what do you think, you know, uh, McDonald's spends in marketing every year? 
and sponsorships and all that kind of stuff. They're the best known and, yeah. and they're everywhere. That certainly doesn't uh, hurt. But, you know, there, there could be uh, Damon and Ken's burger shop and our burgers would kill McDonald's burgers, but no one knows about us. So mm -hmm. we'll never be McDonald's, you know? Yeah, we're a two mile radius and they're global. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think that's a great, that's a great point, you know, and the recession is, I mean, it's real, right? There's, there's, there, it's, it's weird though. And it seems weird to me because we still have the, the unemployment, hard time finding people, but yet we, we hear layoffs and other things. What, what, give me your thoughts on that. I, you know, it's a, I'm absolutely <laughs> puzzled. Absolutely puzzled. All of my clients in every type of industry, in every geography. It's not even geography specific. It's not industry specific. I have trouble finding good resources. And it's, mm -hmm. it, it, I, I, I don't get it. Like you said, with the unemployment where it is, and you know, you had the great resignation during COVID and all these people, where are these people working now? Like, what, mm -hmm. you know, uh, unemployment, the numbers keep coming in, you know, everyone keeps waiting for that number to like skyrocket and it just hasn't. And yeah. so the, the yin and yang just doesn't make sense this at all. And again, we've, I'm experiencing it everywhere. We're trying all sorts of different creative ways of uh, trying to attract, you know, good employees. Mm -hmm. And again, a lot of it is, it's not about money all the time. And again, yeah. I think it's another mistake that employers use is they think it's always about money, but it's kind of a whole nother topic, but I, you know, it's, it's puzzling to me. It really is puzzling to me. And I understand some of the, you know, the entry level jobs. I understand some of yeah. the, you know, the, the aspects of that. But, you know, when you get higher up in and you're talking about seasoned people and, and, and experienced people, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, it just, yeah. you know, one plus one is not equaling two right now. And I did, you know. Yeah. Well, I was hoping it wasn't just me. So I'm glad because <laughs> it's it's hard to understand, really, uh, you know, because. On one hand, you you see a lot of lot of uh, industries are having trouble, but on the other hand, you have so many people that can't find uh, the people they need or the resources they need, and um, and do that. So, yeah, interesting stuff there. Well, Ken, it's been awesome talking with you because I think you know you bring so much to what you do, your passion, you know the and from from the the books you write to your Mr. Viz Radio to all the stuff you do, I'm just a, a really appreciative to be able to know you, call you a friend, and and to be able to talk with you like this once in a while. Absolutely, man. The feeling is mutual. When I know when we connected a couple of years ago, and then we we shared lots of time on Clubhouse together, and uh, you know I really got to know you a lot better during that time. And between me and you and Ricky and uh, yeah couple other folks that were in there with us um you know and that, that puzzled me too by the way I, I thought man we're we're killing it we're like you know doing all this great stuff and uh, uh but it was a lot of fun um i really enjoyed yeah. that and like i said i got to know you a lot better then too as well and um really appreciate that time and always always appreciated that to spend some time with you and talk with you and uh, same same as as well consider you a friend and uh love seeing all the stuff you're doing online and keeping track of you there as well all right well well, Mr. Biz, how do people get a hold of you if they want to talk with you about something? Uh, honestly, if you Google Mr. Biz, you'll find me. I'm on all the social media platforms. <laughs> yeah. we, share stuff. we share stuff uh, on all the platforms on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, 
Mr. Biz Solutions is our primary website. Um, you can find all the different things we're doing uh, there as well. But yeah, um, reach out, man. If you don't ask, the answer's always no, right? Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening today. Thanks so much for being here today, Mr. Biz. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back again later this week with another guest on the Faces of Business. Hang around for a moment, Ken, and we'll wrap up. All right. Thanks, Damon.